Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning. How's everybody doing? That was like you're half awake and you need another Starbucks. How you all doing? You doing good? Good morning. I brought my little daughter with me up here. She said, Dad, can I go up there on stage with you today? Her name is Kira. Can you give her a big old clap? She's been brave. I take her with me everywhere I go. Try to anyways, now it's school. But uh, she jumps up on the stage in front of everybody. So you wanted to say hi to the people. You want to tell them anything today? Go for it. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. The best message of the day. There you go. You did a really good job. Train them up while they're young. Hug somebody. Tell them they look a little better the last time you saw them than you can be seated. Tell them they look cuter, thinner, happier. What a privilege it is to be here today. How many of you are grateful for our pastors? Pastor Phil, Valerie, why don't we give them a big old clap? I come from a family of pastors, three generations. My uh, brother that you saw in there, Tim Story, will be here next week. My grandfather raised him from the age of nine. And uh, I come from a family of pastors, so when my, you know, when you go into a church and you're able to be a part of something really wonderful like you guys are and to be a part of this, you know that there's great leaders that are investing and making things happen. And how many really enjoyed our worship team this morning? Why don't we give them a big old clap? Man, they were, they were incredible. So uh, real quickly, I have some friends from L.A. here today. I just want to say hi to you. Uh, Gary, stand up for a minute. Gary trains the fastest people in the NFL, the Olympics. Gary's my friend all the way. He lives out here. Gary trains them all. He's a great, great friend. And my friend Jennifer Freeman, you're here with me today. Jennifer, stand up for a minute. Jennifer has a movie coming out in December. Happy you made it in. And most of all, my really pretty wife, she's walking down the, where are you going, babe? You're bouncing? You need a coffee break? You're taking the kids. All right. That's my incredible wife. I was telling Pastor I met my wife in a crazy way. I was speaking, um, it would have been about maybe about 20 years ago, and I was speaking in a church, and someone had brought her up to me at the end of the night to pray for her, and she had told me she had a heart condition, a rare one, and she was believing God for a miracle. And so I was went to talk to her for a little bit, and then I saw, I was talking to her, I saw a picture in the right side, my right, her left, I saw a picture of Jesus in the operating room, and I said, you need to go have a surgery. God's going to use the doctors to bring healing to you. Well, she had been taught that if you ever seek medical attention, God won't heal you. And so it gave her enough courage, so they took my wife's heart out of her chest for four hours. They put it on another apparatus, signed her life away, and they said she most likely she wouldn't come back. Well, she came back, thank God. We met a long time later, and that's church history. There you go. All right. I like to start off with something that's a little bit happy. I've traveled and spoke for a little over 21 years. I speak about 50 to 60% in the business world, uh, the government, uh, the pe Pentagon to the middle of Africa to, you know, then I speak in churches about 40, 45%. And I really love it. I love being about part of people's journeys in their life. I know that you came here today, whether it's by a conscious belief or an unconscious belief, you believe there's more for your life. How many feel like you've not quite lived your best day yet? Anyone? The rest of you, you've already tapped out. Is that true? 
Okay, just make sure you got a little energy in you. Okay, for a minute. I was on the internet the other day, and I was like, oh, you know what, I'm going to look and see, like, what kids like to say to God. Because, you know, kids are just raw, and they tell it like it is. How many know that's true? They don't have a religious filter. They don't have any filter. They just, whatever they see, they do. So I thought, what a great way. I want to see how kids pray to God. So on the internet, there's all these letters of kids writing in to God for prayers. I thought I'd read a couple of them because you might like them. This came from Mark. Dear God, are you really invisible or are you just hiding because you don't like your clothes? That was funny. To God, if you grant me three wishes, I'll give you anything you want except my chess set or my money, your friend Mike. How many of us strike a deal? Come on, somebody. Dear God, please make me pretty because I don't think I'm very smart. Love, Jesse. In other words, I need a little something extra, God. Dear God, I bet it's hard to love everybody in the whole world because I can't even love my little sister, Danny. Help a little brother out. Smile, this is good for your soul. This comes from Sally. Dear God, if dinosaurs were not extinct, we'd all be eaten and dead. So you did the right thing. And if you can handle the PG-13 one. Hi, God, how come my brother has a wiener and I don't? Did you run out of them? I need answers, Sue. <laughs> smile. Come on, somebody, smile. If you have a Bible, go to the right-hand side of it, John chapter 5. I was asked by Tony Robbins at dinner, why in the world do you use the Bible? I go, because it works. I don't want to build my life on pop psychology. I don't want to build my life on success motivation or motivational stories or even chicken soup for the soul. I don't want to build my life on Oprah Winfrey. I don't want to build my life on People Magazine because I want to build myself on something that's going to allow me to prosper inside and on the outside. Something that's going to build me and build out everything that God put in me. I don't need, as my friend Tim Story will say next week, good ideas. I need God ideas. Good ideas, he says, come from the mind of a man. They produce good results. But God ideas come from the mouth of God. They produce God results. I don't know about you. I want God results. So John chapter 5 says this, and I'm going to break it down, and you're not going to like it. You're going to love it. It's going to be really fun. It goes a little something like this. Later on, there was a feast or a festival for whence Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the way, that's pretty cool, huh? Jesus likes to go to parties. You don't believe me? He showed up at Nicodemus' house, and he made Nicodemus have a party. He turned water into wine for drunk people at a party. Come on, somebody. He goes to Lazarus' house for Thanksgiving in Israel because there's a party. Martha's freaked out. Jesus loves to attend a celebration. Maybe so should you. Verse 2, now there's in Jerusalem a pool which is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great number of sick people. Some are blind, some are lame, and some are paralyzed. They're all waiting for the stirring of the water. Someone say the stirring of the water. Say it like you got energy in here, Marietta. Come on, the stirring of the water. For an angel went down at certain seasons and stirred up the water. Whoever jumped in or stepped in first after the stirring of the water, they were cured of whatever disease they were sick with. Verse 5. There was a certain dude that was there who had suffered for, 
with a deep-seated, lingering disorder for 38 years, the Amplified Bible says. When Jesus noticed him there, lying there, and knowing he'd been in that condition a long time, says, yo, do you really want to get well? In the parentheses, are you earnest about getting well? Isn't that an interesting question? Jesus, the Messiah, the healer, and he's asking someone who's been sick a long time, do you really want to get well? Almost seems a little insensitive, huh? Verse 7, the invalid said, Sir, I got nobody to put me in that water when it's all stirred up. But while I'm trying to come down, someone jumps in before me. Jesus said, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Try this with me. Say, Rise. Slap the person next to you. Say, Rise. Take up your bed. Come on, like you got energy still. Take up your bed and walk. Verse 9. Immediately, the man became well and recovered his strength. What's powerful about this is, and just going to let me go, okay? I got a lot of energy in me. Okay, is this. Jesus shows up at the celebration. He shows up to celebrate. To celebrate means to make out an event of. If you notice, most people on this planet right now, they're not celebrating their life and they're not feeling the elation of their life because they're exhausted by life. We are a whole culture that's tired. Hey, how you doing? I'm tired. How's life? Oh my gosh, I'm busy. I'm tired. Give me another Starbucks. Come on, somebody. How's everything? I'm tired. You can see it in people's posture. You can see it in people's energy. We got kids that are 11. How are you? Tired. All you do is play PlayStation all day. I'm tired. People feel worn out by life. Adults stuck in regret where they think their past equals their future. Let me just say this to really help you for a minute. Your biography does not equal your destiny. Your psychology does. Just because you're a product of your past doesn't mean you got to be a prisoner of it. There's joy for you in the morning if you're willing to let go of that. Other people don't enjoy it because of resentment. They hold on to the hurt rather than release it. But other kinds, you just get caught in routines. We get caught in a predictable pattern of doing the usual. I was at a Starbucks one morning about 10 years ago, and I was really tired on a Monday morning. I'd been speaking, and I had one of the, my hat down low, like one of those don't mess with me Mondays. Anybody ever have them? Come on, you just put like a happy face on Instagram to make sure people know that you're cool, but really you're like moody. Oh, sorry, you're the faith people. You don't get moody? <laughs> Whatever. I'm about four people deep in line, and the barista, a little Hispanic lady, she goes, Rex, would you like the usual? And I thought, did she just say my name? I'm like half asleep. It was about 6.30 in the morning. People are looking around at me. I'm like, man, maybe I'm just hearing things. Maybe I'm just anticipating what she's going to ask me, so I didn't say anything. And then I wait about 30 seconds, six seconds. She goes, Rex, would you like the usual? People are looking back and go, I better answer. And I thought in my mind, oh my goodness, I've become that predictable, that normal. She already knows what I'm going to order. I don't want to be that person. So I yelled real loud in Starbucks. I don't encourage you to do that, but I did. No, I want different. Someone's like, yo, hook that guy up with a coffee. Get him a little Xanax. Get him whatever he needs. Oh my gosh. But is that true? We're such creatures of habit. Keep the same hairstyles, go to the same restaurants, do the same things. We say the same prayers. I wonder if God's like, yo, you got any new material for me? Have you checked out my resume? I'm the God of Moses, Elijah. I brought down walls of Jericho. Do you got any new material for me? 
Just caught in the usual. It's amazing we want different to happen to us, but we want to make staying the same. There's something about you that makes you different. Watch this. This is very powerful. If you ever discover this, this will actually reward your life for who you are rather than for living a life for what you're not. Most people study their similarity. Your similarity to how you've lived and to other people creates comfort, but it's your difference that creates your rewards. Think about it. There's one thing that keeps God intrigued with your life right now in 2018. What is it? It's not your similarity to me. It's your difference to me. There's something found in you that cannot be found in anybody else. The greatest mind in the universe designed you and planned you for good works. There was something different he put inside you that keeps him highly involved messing with your life. You think it's always the devil. God's messing with you because he doesn't want you to go put it in a graveyard somewhere. My friend Miles Monroe, he's in heaven today. He used to speak a lot of business events on Miles Monroe. He wrote over 71 books, The Ambassador of the Bahamas. He says, Rex, if you ever want to feel rich, go walk by a graveyard. Underneath those sacred grounds are songs never sung, business ideas that never went beyond the drawing board of someone's mind, someone that never pursued a dream, a goal, someone that never said I love you because they were too darn proud. Underneath those sacred grounds are so much great things and difference that never became a reality because nobody wanted to give any responsibility to it. Ooh, this is good, y'all. Come on. You with me? Smile. Similarity creates comfort, but difference creates your rewards. AA says that's insanity, doing what you've always done, but wanting something different. Every miracle God did in the Bible, he might have used a different method. He made people do something a little bit different. Our culture is, God, you do it for us. The Bible culture is, God, let's do it with them. You want God to do a lot of things for you. He don't want to do for you. He wants to do with you. Aye, that means I got to do stuff with him. You're right. That's called a relationship. Come on, somebody. Not a dictatorship. This isn't communism. This is the kingdom. You got a benevolent king that wants to work with you and extend his power, creativity, love, and influence so you could expand his influence on the planet. Well, I'm just trying to get saved to go to heaven. Why? You are made for heaven. You're on earth. The Bible didn't say you fell from heaven. You fell from the glory of God. Jesus came to restore the glory, the life, the power, the presence of God to your life so you can live up and enjoy this planet. You are meant to do something wonderful here. Psalm 115 says the earth belongs to you. The heavens belong to God. The earth belongs to you. God put you on this planet to run some stuff, not to watch other people and celebrities just talk about what they're doing. God put you here to do good works, to make a difference, to do something big. How many still believe that in 2018? Give the Lord a clap. Come on, give me find a little shout inside you. Hey, come on, Marietta. It's early, I know. But I don't want to clap. Bye. But for things to become different, you got to become different. Different means not usual, not the same. It's possible. It's personal, but it's profitable. Somebody needs you to be a little bit different. Come on, some of you need to come home a little different to your spouse. Oh, I got a couple holla backs on that one, huh? Hey. Some of your coworkers need an unusual you. Jesus kept coming in different forms. They didn't even recognize him. He came back as a gardener. They didn't even know him. He always came in different forms. He didn't come back the same way. 
But it's so comfortable and convenient, I can almost become comatose just in this little comfort zone right here. But that's not what God puts you on. An abundant life's not comfort. It satisfies you, but it stretches you. enjoy your life. Well, how do I do it? How am I really going to enjoy this and make this supernatural? It sounds so, so complex. Supernatural. It begins with a decision. Most people never make a decision to enjoy and celebrate their life. They're waiting on some perfect situation, circumstance to happen. When this happens, when this person gets their act together, when I got enough money, when I get the graduation, when I buy the house, when I get the breakthrough, when I feel better in my body, when I go through the divorce, when this happens, then I'm going to enjoy life. The Bible says, I set before you today life and death, blessing, curses. Please choose life. Doesn't Jesus out of his own mouth in Matthew and John chapter 16, verse 22 says, let no man take your joy. In other words, only you can give it away. Nothing good happens by accident. That's deep, y'all. Come on, somebody. Nothing good. You can catch a cold on accident, but you can't catch health. That's Reader's Digest material right there. Well, I'm just waiting. Paul said it this way in Acts chapter 20. He says, listen, everywhere I go, they're going to throw me in prison. They're going to beat me. They're going to rip the skin off my back. But none of this stuff moves me. I know I have some adversity coming my way. Stuff I feel right now, but I'm not what I feel. I'm what I decide. None of it moves me. I've already made a decision that I'm going to finish my course. Not just start, not just get into the middle. I'm going to finish it, but here's how I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it with joy. You say, why is joy important? You don't got joy, you got no strength. Look at why, why are people so long-faced, they're tired, they're beat up. 63% of Americans, according to Harvard right now, believe their best days are behind them and they're powerless to change their future. The average age six years ago to clinically diagnose people with depression was 18. Today it's 12. Let's wake up, y'all. Because we're teaching a powerless culture. We don't lead our life, we lease it. We're waiting to see what Obama does. Then we wait to see what CNN does. Then we wait to see what Trump does. Then we wait to see what Fox News does. Why are we serving a government rather than a kingdom? We got different rules. We got different rules. The world wants you to get caught up in their game. When God's given you power, you're made in his image. Fearfully, wonderfully made, he put his nature inside you. You ain't normal. Slap the person next to you, say, I'm different. Come on, someone say, I'm a little different. You're nervous to say it. Don't let your pride get in the way of your power. Prideful for saying it. No, it's not. Pride would be to act like you're not different and dishonor your father who made you different. Trying to be all cool. Come on, y'all. Paul said, none of it moves me. Making a decision, also becoming very, very grateful. Being thankful. Psalm 67, 5 says this. As they give thanks and praise, then God released the increase. Everybody wants the effect without doing the cause. Woo. I got a challenge for you. You want me to challenge you? Seven days. You on? You have any guts in you? Anybody got any guts? Anybody got any guts? Got a third of you got guts. The rest of you already succumbed. You're gutless? Is that what you're telling me? It's not the church that Jesus is coming back for. Come on. Well, brother, I'm just trying to make it all right. God knows you're shaky. He's sturdy. He knows you're weak. He's just looking for a little bit of energy out of you. 
Notice Jesus never prayed for a miracle, nor did the disciples ever pray for a miracle. They thanked the Father, and then they spoke it or did it. Jesus did not say, God, I need you to provide some food for 5,000 hungry men. He just said, thank you, Father. Bam, start distributing. He came to Lazarus, his buddy, passed out, dead, four days. He smelled, he stunk in the Greek. It was really bad. That's what it means. <laughs> he said, thank you. Thank you that you always hear me. Come out. Most of our prayer life is driven by anxiety, not anticipation or appreciation. Maybe if I helped you enjoy God, would that be better? Because the Bible says God wants to be enjoyed. Don't you want to be enjoyed? You're made in his image, desired, created to be known, experienced, enjoyed. Don't you want your spouse to enjoy you, your kids to enjoy you, your family to enjoy you? You're made in the image of God. Well, how do I enjoy him? If you start giving gratefulness, thankfulness, it's amazing how much good stuff just shows up in your life. As they gave thanks and praise, 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat gave thanks and praise. God set an ambushment as soon as they began to do it against their enemies. You want to shut the mouth of your critics? Begin to give thanks and praise. God will shut their mouth because your focus won't be on them in revenge. It will be on God and he will shut their mouth for you. Ooh, come on. I'm getting you out of a trap. Someone, come on, I'm going to get you out of a trap because you're focused on what people have done to you and how do I get God to help me break this or get it back at them or find a way to get my freedom. God will take care of it and he'll give you double for your trouble according to the Bible. Instead of shame, he'll give you double honor, Isaiah 61 says. But it happens when you shift. Well, I don't want to shift. Paul, broken, his legs coming out of his hips. He gave thanks and praise at midnight. Boom, God released all of his shackles off his body. When you give thanks and praise, things change. I encourage everybody in here just to practice smiling five minutes a day. You want to throw your whole community off? Go to the mall and smile for five minutes without stopping. You want to throw the people in church off? Just smile. Like, Yo, you okay? On purpose, I challenge, we do it at a mall. My wife and I will go sometimes, and we've done this before. We'll go to a mall. Just practice smiling for five minutes. We say, that's not very spiritual, brother. I want the deep revelation. Oh, really? Do you know that God references people's countenance 52 times in the scripture? Don't tell me that he goes, why do you have a sad countenance, Elijah? He says, those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are covered with shame. Ooh, put oil on your face, David. Stop mourning. It's time to celebrate. Do you know if you just smile, do you know you release oxytocin into your brain, the same effect that you would have by putting cocaine in your brain five minutes a day? It would stimulate your metabolism and you'll actually lose weight rather than store fat just by smiling five minutes a day and you'll open neuropathways of your brain that will allow you to think out of the right side of your brain, which is a creative imagination, rather be stuck on your memory that just harbors and libraries your past. I studied a little bit. Watch, you're going to walk around, you'll be the happiest people ever. How's it going? Come on, as a kid, as a kid, you always smiled. Come on, they had to like tell you, be serious. Come on. My little girl during worship, she was happy. I'm like, Kira, be a little bit quiet, be serious. No, she don't know how. Where did we, do we sign up for it? Like at 16, don't become happy no more? 
Happy people have better opportunities. People that smile, they make better decisions. Do you know that if you went to take a test in school, if they gave you a lollipop before and you only studied a half hour the night before for the test versus somebody who studied four hours the night before or six hours the night before and they went in without a lollipop, the people that have a lollipop and are smiling will outscore the other by 72% just because they attribute that this is pleasurable rather than painful. You know what happens? You stay happy being in a part of a community that's going somewhere. We're wired for connection. Touch the person next to you. Come on. Doesn't matter what color they are, their background, touch their shoulder. You're wired for connection. Most people don't think so. We want to live isolated. Oh, my gosh, we're in California. I got gadgets. I got to check my Instagram. I got Hotmail, I got Gmail, I got, oh my gosh, I got Google, then I got, then if I'm on dating apps, oh my gosh, Christian Mingle, I'm ready, I'm single, whatever. We isolate, but there's power. There's power. Two are better than one. When one's weak, don't forsake getting together. There's power when we come together as a community. The Bible says, stir up love and good works. Well, I don't know if I'm just going to come and receive my thing from the Lord. You should never come to church to receive. You should come to give something. One's poverty, one's prosperity. Don't let, don't let poverty and st- just stupidity. I got to go and get my word. Really? Who are you going to go lift today? Who are you going to liberate? Who are you going to go heal? Who are you going to improve? Who are you going to touch? This isn't your church. This is God's church. God puts you here to make a difference. And you know what? It's more blessed to give than receive. You start focusing on being a blessing. Blessings will come chase you down. You can't get them off, you can't get them off your tail. Well, I'm just waiting on for the Lord to tell you. Really? Two-thirds of God's names go and you're waiting? <laughs> Am I supposed to laugh at that or supposed to cry at that? Two-thirds of God's name is go. God says work or action or move 564 times in the Bible. Don't tell me it's not important. Faith without movement's an idea, a fantasy. We got a lot of people that talk stuff and they don't do nothing. They forgot. Come on. Jesus said, let's work the works of God. We must work the works of God. That's Jesus' words. That's as strong as John 3.16, if you don't believe. It's in the same scripture, same book. Think about this. So Jesus shows up at the celebration of life. So should you. He shows up there, but he finds something. These waters were known for their miracle activity. God would stimulate and stir these things at certain seasons. The word Bethesda, the pool that was called, was called house of grace or house of favor. I believe that there's a favor placed on you. I believe you release things that God put inside you when you're stirred rather than you're stagnant. Water that's stagnant, what happens? It gets moldy, it gets murky, and it gets toxic. It gets moldy. If it doesn't stay stirred, or you wait for somebody else. Do you know the biggest killer in America are mosquitoes, or the world are mosquitoes? They are only bred when water's not moved. Could it be you're your own worst enemy when you refuse to allow yourself to not be moved and stirred and stimulated by the things of God? Ooh, this is powerful stuff. Come on. Well, I'm just waiting for that moment. Why don't you stir yourself up in God? God said he'd come and stir things up. If I was to talk about parts of you that were stirred up, what about the dreamer? If the dreamer inside of you could talk, would it say it's been hard watching you settle for less and less in your life? 
watching you work a job beneath your talent, watching you accept roles other people assign to you. You forgot that there's power in your dreams or the energy of progress, who you can become, what you can achieve, that God's activity is limited in your life to the size of your dreams. If you don't have a dream, you don't got a future. Come on, somebody. All you have is a past, and if your memories, good or bad, are bigger than your dreams, you're dying. Your life needs a powerful yes to something, a passionate yes. What will be the dream that calls you to come alive? They're products of what you care for, but they're pictures of your potential. Who can you become? What is possible? Jesus said all things are possible to the one that can believe and imagine and dream. Ephesians said he's able to do, God's able, more than we ask, dream, or imagine. Anybody still got an imagination in here? Einstein said it's a preview to your life's coming attractions. Seven times in the Bible, God came to people and goes, what do you imagine and see? God's highly interested in what you see with your spiritual eyes. God called Abraham out of a tent. says, come out there, count the stars. Imagine and dream. I'm going to give you a kid. I know you don't got Viagra. I know your wife is not as hot as she used to look in the Jerusalem Victoria's Secret, but you're going to have a kid. It's not coming from your people working your crib. It's coming from your wife. How's it going to be? Don't worry about all that. I'm God. But just count the stars. If you can get a picture of this in your mind of how big your future is, you'll walk away from the things that are small and petty, and you'll start to live things with purpose. What's your dream? What can it do? Who can it help? Helen Keller said, what's worse than being born blind? Having sight with no dream. If you were to tell me your dream or tell people your dream, if you were enough articulate enough to declare it, would you tell your family members and friends to invest in it because you would be an appreciating asset? Or would you say, I probably shouldn't expect too much because I've kind of leveled off and plateaued? If your dream was to hit the stock market tomorrow morning, would you tell me to invest in you? Would you tell your spouse to invest in you because your best days are ahead of you, or would you say we're in retirement? There's nowhere in the Bible that says retirement mode. In fact, some of the most glorious things that God did were through young people and elderly people because they refused to retire in their minds. Your potential never came with a retirement plan. I'm going to buy my CD. That was good, babe. Stevie Wonder, when he was a little kid, he was six or seven. He, he came home, and he'd asked his mom. He goes, he said, Mom, why am I born blind? She said, because you're cursed by God. True story. He goes, oh, Mom, I ain't cursed by God. Thank you for that little laugh. I appreciate that. That was really great. So a couple of days later, he was at Billy's house next door in the barn. He stumbles and trips on a rock. He puts his hands out, tries to catch and clasp onto anything. He hits an old broken piano, and the, the noise and the sounds go off. The, and all of a sudden, the notes go off. And he goes, I can see, I can see, I can see. Billy ran out because he got scared. Stevie Wonder ran home. I don't know about you. I watch cartoons sometimes. It would be a little funny to watch the kid that can't see run home. Running into stuff. Sorry, I have an imagination. You somehow don't think that's funny. I do. Maybe it's a little bit Dave Chappelle right there. You find a lot of comedians, a lot of happy stuff, funny stuff, and crazy stuff. He runs up and goes, Mama, Mama, I ain't cursed no more. She says, what are you talking about? 
What's, what do you mean, Stevie? He says, Mama, Mama, I'm at Stevie. I'm at Bro Billy's house, and I trip, and I hit this thing, and there was notes and sounds, and I see all the people. Mommy, Mama, we're not cursed no more. What are you talking about, Stevie? No, no, Mama, I, Mama, I hit this thing. She's a piano. Yeah, the keys, and then I saw the people. I saw the people, and they're happy. She says, but you can't see my hand. He said, Mama, I don't see with my outer eyes. I see with my inner eyes. Mommy, I'm going to make sounds, and I'm going to make the people happy. I'm going to make sounds. His mom on $700 million later and 31 Grammys, all from a guy that can't see with his outer eyes. Mastered 14 instruments in a matter of 11 years. He couldn't see with his outer eyes, but he saw with his inner eyes. God wants to know, what do you see with your inner eyes? Dreams are where the future's created and fueled. There's power in your dreams. We're not talking about just ideas. Where do you want to win? What does an extraordinary and abundant life look like to you? Well, I'm just hoping if I go into your house, is there more pictures about where you've been? Would I see more memories or would I see more pictures about where we're going? I'm talking to a couple. I know not everyone wants to go that route. Yes, other people just want to be, God bless me, God touch me, God do everything for me. I'm talking to people that want to change the world. Doesn't matter your education, doesn't matter your economic level. God gave every human being in here. You're made in the image of God. You're created to create and created a dream with God. That's why, if you ever want to know the language of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 2, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. I'll reveal what eyes not seen, ears not heard. There's a reason why we sing worship songs not to make you appease God by how good your throat sounds when you make vocal tones. You think God needs that to be God? He was God before you ever sang. He doesn't need your golf clap to make him feel good. Okay, you did good. Okay, I'm going to give you a little favor. Really? He'd already made up his mind about you before you could ever praise him. He was a friend to you while you were his enemy. Man, I'm going to make myself happy up in here. You're a tough crowd, y'all. This ain't the same crowd at Success Magazine when there's 8,000 people going nuts. And they eat it, and they're not even born again. If I was to say this, what's your name? Vanessa and Cody know their name in the whole place. This is incredible. <laughs> Cody, this is deep. We're going to have to go back to, like, Hooked on Phonics or, like, Sylvan Learning Center or something. Okay, everybody, try this. What's your name? Okay, I'm going to give you something. The guy's made the most millionaires in history said this to me. It's the most simplistic, most powerful thing somebody can use. He said, Rex, I've never seen this done. I did it in a crowd of about 11,000 for him at the Georgia Dome. And he said this very thing. He said, this is so powerful because it simplified life and it amplified life for people from this moment. If I was to say your name is and you were to fill in the blank, your life will be about, what would you say you want your life to be about going forward? Not based on where you've been, but where you're going to go now. What will life be about for you? If you don't fill in the blanks to that, then what happens? You're a slave to everybody's idea of who you should be, what you should be, where you should go, what you should do, what you should give. How many know you don't lead your life, you lease it out? You're not responsible for what God gave you. God wants you to challenge your life. This is what I'm about. The mind of a man plans his way, then God directs his steps. 
If you don't plan your way, God has nothing to lead. The Bible says, sense what's vital, of real value, Philippians 1, 9, 10. Give yourself to that. All things are permissible, but not all things improve you and edify and advance you. Give yourself to what's going to advance you and forward your motion. It's powerful when someone steps in and says, this is what I'm going to be about. Well, without a vision or dream, you just kind of become undisciplined. Lord, save me. Lord, bless me. Really? God saves you so you can serve. How are you going to serve any people without a dream? What about the lover in you? How's the lover doing? Has attempts to engage your heart been shut down? Have you put up walls between you and love? Has love everybody else? Do you evaluate every relationship by, hey, what have you done for me lately? Have you replaced love with lust? You want a supernatural summer? You want miracles to flow in your life? Through love you serve people. Jesus was moved with compassion and then healed people. Moved with compassion and then delivered people. Come on, somebody. Love can conquer an addiction. Love can conquer a straggling kid. Love can conquer anything. Love conquers death. But most people got their love locked down, their love locked down, according to Kanye West. Why? Because you got hurt, you got burned, someone stabbed you, you held on to the hurt rather than released it through forgiveness. You start internalizing the anger, why'd they do this to me? You nursed it, cursed it, and rehearsed it, according to Dr. Larry Lee. Me and Tim Story both use it. Rather than disperse it, let God reverse it. What do you mean? Hold on to it, nurse it? But love does something different because love begins with me. Someone say, love begins with me. Someone say, love begins with me. Love does this. Number one, it cancels things. It chooses to forgive, not based on feeling, but because as long as I hold unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart, then the very thing that caused all their pain for me to mess with me stays hooked to my life. I don't want that destructive power in my life by me holding onto it. I just don't get their offense. I get the spirit that's driving their offense. I saw something powerful. There was a boy that ran, babe, how did he run? He ran eight miles a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago. I was in Georgia speaking at a church, and this little boy, or young boy, 17 years of age, he ran eight miles to church in the morning. I got the backstory on him that from the age of five, he had been lived in a closet. His dad and his stepdad raped him and fed him with dog food underneath the closet since the age of five. We were in the church service, and someone told me, they said, after said, they said, we told him that there's this place of hope and there's this guy, he's a little bit red. We're not sure if he's white or he's pink. He's kind of salmon looking. There's a lot of hope and energy on that guy. That means me. My little girl goes, what color are you, Dad? You're a mixture. Watch. He goes, there's hope there. That guy, in the glimpse of hope, he found a way to hide so he didn't get caught and put in there as a 17-year-old in a closet. He ran. He ran there, and he begged, how do I get free from the torment? How do I get free from the torture? And the prayer to lead this guy to forgive, instantaneously, all that darkness lifted off him. All that torment that made him go nuts inside of his head, immediately that was liberated. Jesus said, if we don't forgive, we're delivered to the torturers. There's only two things that stop the power of God in someone's life, unbelief and unforgiveness. And they're both a choice. Come on, it's powerful. If I took you to South Africa before apartheid, 
There was a Dr. Vanderbrock, Officer Vanderbrock. He was a white bigot police officer and went with a couple other white bigot police officers and they went down in the slums. They took a family out, uh, a black family in Africa there, and they took him out of the outside and they shot the son dead blank right in the head that killed him. They said all because of the color of his skin and they shouted horrific ethnic things at him and the family. The family tried to go get justice and they turned a deaf ear to them at that time. They returned a year later. Same officer, Vanderbrock, came and got the father and took him. And the wife had no idea for months. She had no idea where her husband was. They had suffered greatly, only think because of the color of their skin. They came back and got him a couple months after and they took the woman out to a lake and there her husband was and they had him bound to the wood while they poured gasoline on him and they started chanting all these horrible things at him and they started to light his body on fire. The last words of that man were, Father, forgive them! And he left. Months after, they, they convicted these officers in a court of law. And in, and in South Africa at that time, what you could do is the people that had been done wrong, they had a chance to speak and tell the judge what they thought the punishment would be. This elderly woman who lost her son to evil, her husband to evil, stood up and they said, ma'am, what would you like? They'd already convicted him. They had not set down the sentence. And she said, I ask you three things, judge. Number one, can somebody please take me to where my husband's ashes are? I want to give him a proper burial. He was a loving man. We don't have any money. We don't have very much. But he was a loving and good man and rich in faith, and he loved God, and he loved my family. I want to give him a decent burial. They said, absolutely. Number two, Mr. Vanderbrock, I want you to look at me. I want to tell you today, I forgive you. I don't have money. I don't have things. But one thing I have is I'm a lover. I learned to love me because God... God loves me, and I'm not going to let your evil talk me out of my love. I'm not going to stay in bitterness and resentment towards you. I choose to forgive you this day. I'm letting you off my hook. And judge number three, I don't want these to be mere words, I forgive you. Can somebody please help me over there so I can hug him and touch him and let him know that I mean what I say. And not only that, judge, I need by a court appointment somebody to bring him another police officer every week to my house because judge he already took my son he took my husband and I have nobody to love I don't got a car I don't got any money but one thing I do have I'm rich in love and I don't want evil to stop my ability to love if I don't love I don't live immediately immediately all these incredible black people grabbed these white people's hands. Where there had been ethnic racial tensions, they grabbed hands with one another. And they began to sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch, not a dry on the place. People began to fall down and worship God and begin to pray. That began the chain of a whole revolutionary movement in South Africa that eventually brought in Mr. Nelson Mandela. Can I tell you something that was so powerful? You might feel like I don't got much, but when you got the ability to love, and you say love begins with me. The walls are off. I choose to be unoffendable. I choose to forgive. I don't care what they do. Love begins with me. Love begins with me. The greatest thing Jesus said if you're a disciple is, did you learn how to love? Come on. I know I'm, I'm on time. Are you okay? Can you handle You could? Watch. Just to be done in five minutes, watch. What about the, the leader inside of you? What happened to that leader? You just take charge of things. Inertia sets in, you stop doing things. If someone has pneumonia, 
They just sit there too long. All of a sudden, their body starts shutting down. You got to stay moving. Movement. I had a woman, I was just at C3, spoke at the Empower Conference a couple weeks ago. A woman came into the meeting. They carried her from the car. She fell down a flight of stairs. The woman was in her 50s. They carried her from the car. Sometimes when you're desperate, that's when you get your miracles, huh? When you need a breakthrough in your head, you need a breakthrough in your relationship, you need a breakthrough in your body. Isn't it amazing you do things that you normally wouldn't do? When you're all comfortable, you're like, oh, praise the Lord, I like that song, don't like that song. When you're hurting, it don't matter if the song is not your song, you just make it your song. Jesus! Come on. You don't care how funky you sound. You're like, I got to touch God. Isn't that true? Anybody in here have that experience? Am I the only one? I ain't going to be a hypocrite. Things are a little bit different when you get hung. They carried her in. I had no idea. I called this woman out of the crowd. Thousand people, I called her out of the crowd. They carried her. And I said to her, I said, God wants to touch you. He said, okay, God, she's, like, she's all ready for God to you know, touch her. She was kind of a shyer woman. And I felt the Lord say, tell her to run. There was a doctor right next to her. He says, she can't run. I said, that's not what I felt like I told her. I said, you need to run. No, no, just pray for me. No, run. How many know that's not the best option if you're just doing it by yourself? That can look bad on your speaking resume. All of a sudden, I said, give me your hand. Let's go. I can't do this. I can't do this. She took off. If anyone who's in that room, she took off running. She was like Forrest Gump. She was running back and forth. She was like Jackie Joyner Kersey. She was running. And I said, what changed? She said, I had to act. I had to act. Leaders act. They don't react. Come on, somebody. They act. Well, what deserves you? What deserves your time? What's most important? Don't live out of states of emergency just trying to put everybody's fires out. Why? Because then you don't do nothing with your life. Why don't we do things that are important, significant? Plan it. Come on. Preparations, the plans of a mind belong to a man. The answer from the tongue is from the Lord. You can't, you don't get a plan. What, how am I going to make a difference? What am I going to do? What am I going to spend time on? Well, I just want life to be better. It gets better when you get better. What about the believer inside of you? We have so many unbelieving believers in the body of Christ. It's nuts. You got, for reals, we got so many sects. I always tell people, if you don't believe like God's really who he says he is, just cut out all the pictures, of, cut out all the pages of the Bible where he does miracles and see what you're left with. Either is who he is or not. He's either Genesis and Revelation or, or he got it was or then he fell asleep. I don't know. When I stood in a room the other day with a bunch of Hindu family, and I sat in a room, me and my wife, with a little motel that people rent out by the hour for a little woman, for a woman that had lost her brain in a brain surgery, and she's sitting there. They don't care how good of knowledge I have of how many scriptures I can quote and how theologically right I am. They got a thousand gods that promise everything but can deliver nothing. How good am I to deliver Jesus if all I got is a theology but no action? Well, if it's God's will. You think that's going to help somebody? That he gave you the Bible so you would know his will. 
You want to know the will of God? Study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everything Jesus did, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't like me, it's because you don't like the Father. You got mad when I healed people because you're mad at the Father. I can't help but reveal the Father. You're ticked at me, it's because you're ticked at the Father. You got scandal in your heart because you're more religious than you are revolutionary. Just saying. You become what you believe. You become what you believe. Jesus said it. According to your faith, let it be unto you. Come on. Believes conform you, transform you. They separated Mozart from Manson. That's good right there. They determine your generosity, time, energy, talent. Well, I don't got a lot of energy. Because you believe that if I give a lot of energy, it's not going to produce for you. Why don't people do business with you? Because they believe there's more pain than there is pleasure. They believe you want more than you're willing to give. Why do people want to work with you? Because they believe you're going to deliver more than what you're going to get from them. Come on. Let's talk psychology. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. All wealth and poverty is in the mind of a head. Come on. You think over 60,000 thoughts a day. Most people's mindsets work against them. So let me help you. Life is what for you? Fill in the blank. Is it a party? Everything's a party. You probably won't do much on the planet. Oh, my gosh. Life is a race, so you're always rushing. How are you? I'm busy. I'm rushing because life's a race. How you doing? I don't got time for you. I'm insensitive. I don't care because I'm busy. I'm busy. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just supposed to be busy. <laughs> Praise God. I'm busy. What are you doing being busy? But Jesus said, don't worry about this. Busy. That's people's prison they live in. So you ask them how they're enjoying their life. I'm not. I'm just busy. Other people, it's a battlefield. Ooh, they're going to get me. They're suspicious. Come on. They think there's a demon in their towels. Come on, somebody. They think there's a devil in their air conditioning vent. Come on, somebody. They think Satan lives at their house. In fact, Satan only could be in one place at one time. He ain't God. He ain't on my presence. And you think he's messing with you and your freaking towels? Ooh, they didn't agree with me. They're demonized. I was one of the biggest leaders in the whole entire Christian community, period, ever in history, with their family or day. They think everything's witchcraft. Well, they just disagree with me. That's Jezebel's spirit. What the? They just didn't agree with you. No, it's Jezebel. It's witchcraft. You're like, what the? What are you talking about? Come on. What if life became a sacred gift and you believe that? How different has life become if you choose to believe life's a sacred gift? You're a gift. You're a reward. How can I go past you and not say, hi, you're so pretty. You're a nice husband. If I just view you as a reward or a gift, I want to give something. I want to appreciate it. I want to gulp. I don't want to gulp it down. I want to savor it. Anybody go but gulp a snake? You're in trouble. You choke. You can gulp, come on, you can gulp some, some pudding. Come on, somebody. But you ain't going to gulp a steak. What if life became a sacred gift? What if I chose to believe that people are the greatest treasure on the planet? If you believe that, you won't treat them like trash. That's not what the media wants you to do. 
The media wants you to blame and label and identify everybody according to their race, their color, their background, their political reference. And so you judge them. But remember, if you judge people, you can't influence them. You've lost. That's worth your gas money. Every bit of that is worth you. If you judge people, you cannot influence people. You've lost your power, you've lost your salt, and you've lost your light. You can't preserve people, you can't forward people. Only you can do is fondle people. What if people are a treasure? It doesn't take the eyes of God to see what's wrong with someone. It takes the eyes of God to see the potential and possibilities of somebody. And speak to that. Barnabas took a guy named Mark, the guy you see wrote the second book of the New Testament. Paul said, ah, he doesn't have it. Paul was not nice. He was squeaky voice, and he was about five foot five. Short man complex. Could you imagine? Paul the Bible had a short man, for real, squeaky voice. So they say, scholars say. And he got real ticked off at John or Mark because he was so young. Barnabas says, I see the potential in him. I'll take him. Barnabas and Paul threw blows. Read the Bible. They fought, like, for reals, like UFC stuff. It was awesome. Because Barnabas saw the potential in a guy that somebody else that was spiritual wrote off because he judged him according to the flesh. He took him for a bunch of years, and little did he know, Barnabas never wrote a book, but he influenced two men that wrote 14, 15 books in the New Testament, all because one guy could see the potential of God in Paul that was a murderer when everybody else didn't want him around. He saw that he was really an apostle, and he took him for 11 years in Arabia, the desert, and spoke Jesus into him. Then he took a guy, John Mark, that now Paul was too spiritually and thought he was too mature to handle an immature guy. He took that young guy for a bunch of years and poured into him. You would never have the book of Mark if a guy, Barnabas, had not seen the potential in somebody that was young and experienced, immature and weak. He spoke to that power. What are you speaking to people? Tells me how you treat people. Jesus said, you want to know what's in your heart? Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Watch. So Jesus shows up, and I'm going to end right here. Watch. He says, yo, you've been at this thing a long time. 38 years is a long time to sit at a pool. And he asked him a crazy question. Do you want to get well? Not everybody does. Some people have their identity and their condition, and they're they're afraid. What happens if I do become free? I prayed for a girl in Vancouver, Canada, who was in a wheelchair. And I said, would you like Jesus to heal you? She never walked. I said, would you like Jesus to heal you? Her mom goes, no, pray for her mind. No, no, I want to see. I want to take a shot at it. The cynic. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? doesn't take any faith to not believe. God's not going to ask you, did you do it? He's going to ask you, did you believe? I didn't do everything right, but at least I took shots at it. I cra- it, makes me, it makes me, it gets under my skin. People take pot shots at people who try to pray for people. I don't do Christian TV. I've done it on MTV. I've done it on secular TV. I've done it in the Pentagon. I prayed for people at the White House. I've dinner with the president. I'll tell you this. I love to create opportunities. What if it doesn't work out the exact same way? RG3, you connected me to RG3, lost his career. The quarterback for the Redskins right outside the stadium, could not walk. In the middle of a moment, I said, we're going to pray for you and get healed. He goes, for reals? Bam, right back in the NFL a week and a half later after they told him his career was done. True story. You'll watch how powerful it is. But it's amazing. People go, well, you know, well, you know, why are you going to believe that? What are you going to believe about people? You believe people that God wants to touch people? You're willing to do anything. 
I stopped my car in the middle of a freeway a couple months back with my little daughter and my wife. Jumped out of a car because a woman was stuck in there having a grand mal seizure in the middle of a fast lane on a freeway. My little girl jumped in the front seat. She's looking like I was Superman. I pulled this girl out, and she's having a grand mal seizure. Standing there, have an Indian guy in his Indian garb. I don't know what to do. What are you going to do? And then an African guy, he's like, he's really from Africa. He was like from Nigeria. I go, let's get this car. Let's get, let's get her out. Then they send the Indian guy over here. I was directing traffic on the freeway, the 99 freeway. We pulled this woman. She's shaking. The African guy goes, yo, man, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do with her? I said, come on, we're going to get this thing right. God's big enough. So I sat there as the paramedics walk up. I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, come out of this. Dead stop. She looked directly at me, directly at the paramedics, spoke, and they released her. She was completely healed, right on the side of the free. Well, how can we not believe? But if I believe, oh, well, they're just a, that's just too bad for them. So then we become a watcher of people in pain rather than a healer of people in pain. Anybody after the Jesus style? Tim's story, who you'll see next week when I came out of professional baseball, he says, Rex, don't go study all the rules. Brainwash yourself on God's miracles. Just brainwash yourself. He says, Rex, get a miracle mentality inside you. So everywhere you go, heal the sick. Heal the sick. Don't care if they talk smack on you. Who cares? At least you took a shot. If they got a problem, say, what are you doing to help them? At the end, that's going to count, right? You and God, well, what'd you do with what I gave you? Afraid, I sat on it. I didn't know what to do, so I, I didn't know all the right words. Watch powerful. The belief finally. I Jesus, do you want to become well? I love it. His question. He didn't say, Hey, how bad's your pain? Tell me about how long you suffered. And it's God gave an invitation, he gives his limitation. I've been here a long time. Man didn't come through for me. It's interesting. His focus is on what man didn't do. He didn't even answer Jesus' question. He says, and look, he says, you know, he says, every time this happens, somebody else gets there ahead of time. Jesus did not pity the man. If you're looking for pity from God, you're at the wrong God. If you're looking, not looking for miracles, you don't need the God of the Bible. you got to go find some other God. Allah would be better suit for you. Really? Yeah, because Allah doesn't love you and he doesn't do miracles. Check the Quran. The Quran says 24 times Jesus does miracles, not Allah. And nowhere in the Quran will God, Allah say he loves you. I don't put anybody down because I have friends that are Muslim, but they know where they can ever find the greatest need of a human being to be loved by God unconditionally and chosen to be loved by God when they're good or when they're bad and God already made up his mind. Your biggest need, God, Father, Jehovah, the God of the Bible, says that before you ever say acceptance or rejection to him. Watch how powerful. Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. The word rise means collect your mind. Get your head straight. Study in the Greek. Come on. Get your mind right. Come on. It says rise. Take up your bed. Okay, that means, okay, I'm going to pick it up. It doesn't mean that. It says you got to discard if you're going to discover. Study in the Greek language. i got to discard if I'm going to discover. i got to discard some stuff if I'm going to deliver. You can't be overloaded. People fail. I can't get on an airplane in a couple days with too much weight on board. We crash. What are you willing to let go of so that you can step in? Anybody? Well, I don't know if I want to let go of anything. Without sacrifice, there's no significance. 
Abundance isn't cut out for you. T.D. Jakes gave $12,000 all him and his wife had saved up after he taught his wife to walk again after she'd been paralyzed out of a car accident and he taught her how to walk again believing the God of the Bible does miracles. He had $12,000 to set up to buy a home but he wrote this little book based on a speech he gave to four people from the age of 21 called Woman Thou Art Loosed. He spoke it for 15 years in front of 15 people that would come and listen to the same message now that's touched over 200 million people. That same message, he spoke it then. He had 12,000 bucks left, and he said, do I buy a house for comfort, or do I put it on the line and invest in my future because I believe God wants to get this message out? He said, I had holes on the bottom of my shoes. I did not even pray, he says, when I got on my knees because I didn't want the other parishioners seeing that their pastor had holes in the bottom of his shoes. We lived in the car to keep the lights on in the church. All my kids in the the car. He says, we sacrificed, but we threw it in because we knew the vision in front of us was bigger than the pain behind us. Come on, somebody. Watch how powerful. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise, take your bed and walk. I looked at a guy at a Freedom International Church in Los Angeles not too long ago, hadn't run, hadn't walked in 22 years. I said, Run! He stood up, and he took off running around this place. We didn't even interview him. He starts bawling his eyeballs. What happened? He says, I've not been able to use my legs for 21 years. Something happens when you move. Come on. When you move, God moves, and it's just like that. Come on, somebody. Why? Because you got royalty. Royalty, it's in your DNA. Not Hillsong. We're just a little Kendrick Lamar version. You think a Kentucky Derby horse just winds up at the Kentucky Derby and wins on accident? They go back and study five generations, five grandpas and dads, all the way back 50, 60 years. So when they breed them, they know what they're breeding. They come out wobbly. They know they're funky on the outside. They can't see. They got eyes solved coming out. They look like an ordinary horse, but there's a difference in the blood. There's a difference in the DNA. Come on, somebody. When God speaks his DNA inside, you ain't just normal. You got the spirit of Jesus inside you. It's in your DNA. Come on. You got power in your DNA. The God of Moses who parted the Red Sea, that's in your DNA. You got Jesus who turned water into It's in your DNA. You got Jesus that walked on water. It's up in your DNA. His life is your life. Esther, come on, she was a hero. It's in your DNA. Nehemiah was a dreamer and a builder. It's in your DNA. Abraham called what was not as though it was. It's in your DNA. Come on, somebody. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Someone's about to stand. Someone's about to move. Someone's about to heal. Why don't you lift your hands and give the Lord a clap and a shout. Can I get a, like a piano player behind me? Come on, give God a big old clap. Hey. Come on, Marietta. Well, I don't know. You have a lot of energy and emotion. Be like the little boy in church. All eyes on me like Tupac said. Don't watch them, watch me. Watch the little boy in church. He kept getting up when the bishop was talking, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there, you know they ain't white church. Come on, somebody. There's a difference. 
His mama said, sit down. He got up a couple minutes later going, yeah, 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 preach it. Sit down, shut up. It's amazing in church. Shut up. <laughs> he did it again. His mom goes, I'm going to take your video games away for a month if you do it again. Little kid was all ticked. Put his arms in his pits. Scowl. Come on, somebody. And his mom goes, what, what, what? Try to egg him on. See if she could ground him. He goes, you know what? I got you beat. What you talking about, son? Right in the middle of church. I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm jump, jumping and shouting and laughing on the inside. <laughs> and you can't do nothing about it. Isn't it amazing? Life might have you down on the outside, but you can step up again on the inside. <sighs> Greater is he that's in you. Greater is he that's in you. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken you. Come on, who needs a breakthrough in here? Anybody really need a breakthrough? I like you, ma'am. Right there with the cool sunglasses, I like you. What do you need God to do for you? If I was taking orders off heaven's menu, what would you like, for real? Will you stand? I will embarrass you a bit. I'll honor you. You're a treasure I was talking about today. What's your first name? Sally, Rex, honored to meet you. How can I, what do you need God to do for you? Come here, you're safe. I want you to do something. Would you guys all stretch your hands towards this nice woman? When I ask you to stretch, God watches too. He pays attention how we treat the Holy Spirit in people. Don't be casual with someone. This is someone's destiny. This is someone's daughter. More than that, this was God's greatest invention. God waited years to get Sally to the planet. There was no one like her. That's what keeps God intrigued with her. God's never thought a bad thought about Sally. At her worst, he still believed the best. Isn't that crazy, love? Lord, I pray you lift all that oppression off. I pray you lift all that oppression, that anxiety. I pray you lift all of that depression off her. Lord, I pray new energy, new life, new joy. She would find her smile, her laughter. Those joy, the, the wells of salvation would be stirred up inside of Sally again. From this moment, I thank you also for touching the arches of her feet. I thank you for touching her veins. And I thank you. Your balance is going to be better. Your balance has been funky for a, for a couple years. About right? About February for about two years. Let me go out there. I can go out there all day. About two years. God's going to strengthen your balance. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for touching your balance. I pray supernaturally you create magnesium in her body. And I th you don't even need to pray, Sally. You've done such a good job praying. Let everybody pray for you. You just receive, girl. Pray for her like you really care, like a chill mama. Pray for her like you care. Give God something he can feel. You don't got to say all the right words. Pray out of your heart, not your head. God, this is Sally. God, you perfect what concerns her great life. God, I thank you the past doesn't equal the future. Good days are in front of her. You renew her strength, her strength, her strength. For reals, this week, I want you to testify. This is what's going to happen. You're going to wake up and you're going to feel like, oh my goodness, where's all that darn pressure on my head? Where's all the traffic? 
All that real estate is going to get really, really free. Because it's in your DNA. It's called peace. Move your legs. Watch how good you feel, too. Come here. Come out here. You're good. Everyone's going to watch you. I know it's really cool. It's embarrassing. It's all ever. You can take off your shoes. I ain't bothered. We're in school. Normally, that would hurt your feet. What's happening to your feet? We didn't talk beforehand. We didn't schedule like the charismatic movement. We just care for people. It's easy to speak a good message and run off the stage and go get paid and go hide in the back and say, praise God. Takes guts and people that don't want to just talk about God, but really live out what God said. Let's get our hands dirty. What if it doesn't all work out? What if it does? What if we make mistakes? You will. But you become good at what you practice. I didn't become a professional athlete by not practicing and making mistakes. I had my nose taken off with a baseball, broke my fingers up teen times. When I help MMA fighters, when I help people now in the NBA, different things, they, they make a lot of mistakes, but that's how they become good. Michael Jordan said he became great by making 30,000 mistakes. Called missed shots. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky said you, you, you miss every shot you don't take. Let's take them. What happens if it doesn't work the way I want? God's big enough. He shows up for people that are willing to step out too, man. Watch out, what happened? I feel lighter. Yeah. I've had a lot of physical ailments. God is healing. What would normally cause you a lot of pain? Good, let's walk. Come on, yes. come with me. Yes. Praise God. Yes. Yes. I like, come on, give her a clap. This is cool. At the gym, they get all excited for Zumba. Why can't we excited about God and Sally? This ain't Sally, Jesse, Raphael. This is Sally. This is Miracle Sally. You know what's cool? Sally's not just going to feel better. She's going to go give this hope and healing to somebody else. Because freely Jesus gives so we can give it to somebody else. We're the billboard for God. We're not a WWJD bracelet. Come on. We don't need a bracelet or a bumper sticker. I don't need a Christian TV invitation. Let's love people through things. God's the awesome one. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is a peacemaker. Come on. Well, well, don't you have weak? I have a lot of weaknesses. But what I found out is God can take us through recovery and discovery at the same time. We can get better every week growing in church, growing in God while we're helping other people. That's one thing AA does so good that I wish they, that we would adopt in the church. They help other people get free while they're getting free and they don't judge them. Because we're all going through stuff. Yeah. I like you. Who are you, ma'am? Right there. Yes, ma'am, you. Who are you? Can you stand up real quick? What do you want God to do for you? What? Multiple scores. Come here. Sally's going to pray for you. Where are you going? This isn't about a minister. This is about God's goodness helping one another. You like this? Is cool? I like you, whoever you are. I like you. Come here. Something big's going to happen for you. Give it. You have, you have, a, you have a two year, you're in process. Something's going to shift. Something's going to shift. 
going to happen in the fall time, but there will be something that's going to happen big for you. Yes. Holy schmoly, something money-wise, it's going to happen. Something big's going to happen. Are you connected to him? Oh, you were shaking your head like, oh yeah. She's like, yeah, 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 him. He's the one. Okay. Okay. You know what's cool? God loves you. Love does its best for anybody. How many of you believe? Some people do get healed instantly. Some people get healed gradually. We're not God. I'm not God. I'm not the Savior. You're not the Savior. But how many believe we should be PAs, physicians, assistants? Yes. The book of Acts is still being written. He's waiting on us to write it. Paul already had his time in the book of Acts. Peter had his moment. Barnabas had his moment. Stephen had his moment. Martin Luther King Jr. had, her mo- had his moment. Mother Teresa had her moment. My grandpa used to work with her. Now Nelson Mandela had his moment. Now God's waiting for us to have our moment. God's future work is in my hands, in your hands. How many know love has to win? And I'm not talking, God's love has to win. Let me put it that way. Okay, so we're going to pray for you and your family. The scler- what is it? Must- multiple sclerosis. How many believe that that's in heaven? Anybody believe that they have that disease in heaven? Why not? If God doesn't heal everybody or God's not willing to heal everybody and sickness is God's will, then why isn't it in heaven? On earth as it is in heaven, that's what he taught us to pray, right? Yes. You want to know why it has no, why it's not there? No MS is there? Because it doesn't have any agreement there. Yes. You cannot walk together unless there. So will I agree with earth or will I agree with God's word? God's word. Sometimes it happens amazing instantly. Sometimes through faith and patience, Hebrew says we inherit it. Yes. Either way, God's word don't lie. Yes. And even if you were to go out, I want to go out believing God. Not believe in some doctor only. Yes, yes. Is that fair? Yes. I would rather God goes, man, nothing took you out. Your faith won. Yes. Rather than, oh, fear got the best of you and ate you alive. Okay, stretch your hands towards this woman. Anybody got faith for her? Yes. Come on, not faith in your faith. Faith in Jesus. His name's big, man. You don't even need to pray to. Sally's going to pray for her. She's got the juice. You're not going to fall. You're not going to foam with the mouth. And if you do, Bob's going to catch you and throw you back up. Joking. Close your eyes. Watch your courses. Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, I pray your healing presence would flow through her nice body. Heal her body. Free her from this MS, her family. We break this assignment against this family. Lord, you said do something really stupid. Put my hand on a sick body. That makes no sense. But you said you would cause the body to recover. I can't do that in my own body. But you said you could do it. I believe you. I don't see you, but I believe you. You said I'm blessed because I believe. That means I act on what you say. Not talk about it, not debate it, not seek all the theological people that mess up what you say, but what you say. I trust you. Let recovery happen to her body. Remove the MS, full range of motion and mobility. I pray it would not diminish her ability to move and function. I pray new strength and new energy and mobility in her. You're going to feel a warmth. Tell her she's going to feel a warmth and energy go through her body. Can you handle Okay, I know know I've got five more minutes here praying for you. Move your body. Tell her to look for healing, though. 
Most people look for what's wrong. Look for healing. Tell her to look, move her neck. Tell her, Sally, go ahead. It's your healing meeting, Sally. Tell her to move her neck, move her body, but look for healing. Don't look for pain. Because if you look for what's wrong, you're going to find it. If I said, look in this room for everything blue, and then look at your hands, you look at your hands, I go, now remember everything white. All you would remember is blue. What you look for is what you find. Move. How do you feel? Your neck doesn't hurt. That's free health care. Better than Trump plan and Obama plan. This is good. And it's better. We didn't even charge you as a chiropractor. And I got my chiropractor friends. That's still good. Move your neck. Bend down. Touch your toes. Move your body. Go after this with me for a little bit. I want you to go strong with me. Yeah, go strong with me. Normally it will cause you pain. Yeah, move your arms. Good. Move your body. What, is it? what do you feel? Every miracle Jesus did, he made somebody move. So if we want to pray for people and don't make them move, don't even pray for them because nothing will happen. The, the powers in we believe what we believe, pray for, and we're going to act. How many know faith without works is? Okay. Can I tell you something really cool? I was at uh, the Dream Center in Las Vegas, and I took Ice-T's son, Ice, the rapper, and LeVar. He was on tour with Keith Sweat, and I took them with me. These guys weren't Christians, and I was in the meeting. I spoke, and at the end of it, I did an altar call. People came forward to accept Christ, the greatest miracle of anything because it become a new creation. And at the end, I felt like God said, pray for sick people. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to look bad in front of my friends. I was trying to win them to Christ. I don't want to look like an idiot. So I sat there and I felt like, God, no, pray for them. I thought, uh-uh. And then I felt him say, Rex, if you don't pray for them, they're going to go home sick. It's your fault. And it sobered me up real quick. I know that wasn't the devil. The devil loves to make people miserable. That wasn't my own thought because I don't want to look like an idiot in front of my friends. So I said, okay, does anybody have like just a little bit of pain that I could pray for? And I was hoping someone had like a sliver. Someone got like a splinter, you know what I mean? They cut their fingernail too close or whatever. This lady stands up. She goes, I had back surgery a couple weeks ago. I have rods in my back and I can't walk. I'm like, oh, great. And I just said that in my head. I'm like, okay, come forward. And I'm thinking, oh, no, the pastor's conservative. And I got lumpy and dumpy on the front row. They don't believe. How's this all going to work? So she takes her forever to get there. She's like about eight rows back. She comes with about 800 people in the room. And I go, do you think God could heal you? She goes, I don't know. And I go, I felt the Lord say, throw her walker. I ain't going to throw her walker. I'm a very highly educated person. I am not going to throw her walker. Rex, throw her walker. Uh-uh. I tried to keep it together in front of all the people. I praise God, use all the Christian words I knew. Inside, I'm like, what the Rex, be a servant. Throw her walker. For reals of what I did, I grabbed that walker for all those people and I chucked it across the room. I said, I ain't even going to pray for you. You don't have a chance. Move and act like you're healed. It went. (laughs) She took off running. True story. She was running. (laughs) Praising the Lord. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.